Welcome to the Art of Living Consciously podcast, a show designed for out-of-the-box thinkers and mindset shifters who are looking for new ways to evolve. This is an intimate container designed to uplift, inspire and motivate you on your own growth journey. I'm your host, Danny Reeve. As a certified BNE or bio-neuro-emotion practitioner, I empower men and women to turn their conflicts into stepping stones for growth. Because when you question your own beliefs and perceptions and take responsibility for your life, everything else follows. If you ask me, Earth is a place where souls are sent to evolve. And in this podcast, we will discuss the best tools for our evolution. In today's episode, we're going to look at the difference between growing older and aging. Why one is a natural process of life and the other is simply cultural and not a necessary part of growing older. And to do that, we are going to look at what science says about how your beliefs can affect your biology, why it is important as a society that we change our perception regarding the passing of time and certain misconceptions and beliefs about what should happen as you grow older, what science has to say about the wellness of growing older. And at the end of this episode, I will share six centenarian mindset tips for leading a joyful and fulfilling life. So stick around for that because these are essentially people who made it to 100 or over in a very healthy way, mostly because they had or they have the right outlook on life. So obviously we have a lot to learn from them. And it doesn't matter what age you are, you can be 14 or you can be 80 and still benefit immensely from this episode as there is no age to start leading a more joyful and fulfilling life and applying those healthy centenarian mindset tips. In fact, the earlier you start, the better, but it's never too late to start. Before I delve in, you might have noticed that my voice is a little different. I had a cold and lost my voice. However, I am committed to going ahead with this episode. I appreciate your understanding and without further ado, let's delve in. I don't know about you, but I grew up in an environment that didn't necessarily celebrate the passing of time. In other words, I grew up with the perception that at some point in my life, things were going to get very hard and tough and things were going to decline. I still have a very vivid image of myself at my neighbor's house. They were an elderly couple and I can remember her saying to me, you make sure you have fun now that you're young because when you get older, things are not fun anymore. And that same sentence was replicated over and over again by different people in my life. And obviously they were reflecting back at me what I perceived about growing older. Maybe this hasn't been your case and you were lucky enough to not grow up with those set of beliefs. However, if you pay close attention, you'll notice that there are some pretty negative beliefs around the passing of time and what it is meant to imply for us all. As if instead of looking forward to the wisdom we gain through experience, we should be fearing the inevitable decline that comes with age. Now, I'm not here to argue about the fact that we are all growing older and that we are all inevitably going to die. This is just a fact of life. In fact, embracing and accepting death is one of the secrets to enjoying life and above all, making the most out of it while we have it. The problem is not the passing of time. The issue is what we do with it and how we choose to look at life. That really is what determines how well you live, whether you be 18, 30, 40, 70 or 105. Now, an idea that I would like you to try on and that I will give you some science to back up 
is that the fact that most people seem to think that growing older equals decline and failing capacities does not make it true. The wonderful thing about science is that it's always growing and evolving. And ideas that were once considered as truths or facts no longer are. At some point, we all believed that the earth was flat. And thank God Galileo Galileo proved that wrong. People thought he was mad and how wrong were they? So if we take into account that the world's centenarian population is projected to grow eightfold by 2050 and that the fastest growing segment of population in the US is people over 100, don't you think that it is important that we start looking at the passing of time in a different way? Because I'm sure some of you are thinking, oh my God, this is going to cost us a lot in healthcare. But no, with the right outlook, it doesn't have to be that way. With the right mindset, you can actually become an asset to society in your hundreds, not a burden. Now, a lot of these findings I'm about to talk about, I take from a book that I have mentioned previously, which is The Mind-Body Code by Dr. Mario Martinez. It's a book that blew my mind when I read it and continues to blow my mind. He has since written a follow-up, The Mind-Body Self, and I really recommend his work in general. He is a US clinical neuropsychologist who lectures worldwide on how cultural beliefs affect health and longevity. He is also the founder of Biocognitive Science, a paradigm that investigates the causes of health and the learning of illness. Most importantly, biocognition identifies complex discoveries of how our cultural beliefs affect our immune, nervous and endocrine systems and translates them to practical applications. The interesting thing about Dr. Mario Martinez is that he has spent decades studying the wellness of growing older. He has spent years studying healthy centenarians all over the world in an effort to find out their secret source to life. And what he found out is that the number one factor that made them so different to other people was not their genetic. It wasn't their socioeconomic background. It was none of that. It was their mindset and the way they approached life. In his book, he says that there is a difference between growing older and aging. The first one is a normal process, the natural result of the passing of time. The second is not and it's cultural. His way of looking at it is that aging is what you do with your time based on your cultural beliefs. He says that each culture has different portals around aging. Think youth, middle age, retirement, senior citizenship, etc. Those portals depend on culture, not genetics, and vary from one society to the next. For example, once you hit middle age, it's all downhill. That's a common belief linked to an aging portal. And that age varies from one culture to the other. In fact, a study conducted by Harvard sociologist Alan Langer examining why some people looked much younger than others showed that people who looked significantly younger than their age believed that middle age started 15 years later than those who looked significantly older. And this is an example of how your beliefs or your perceptions can shape your biology. The science that is starting to explain how that might happen is epigenetics. Not so long ago, we believed that our genome, or DNA, pretty much controlled our existence. We thought that it was all written in our genes. And now we know that things are not as straightforward as that at all. Epigenetics, which means above the genome, is showing that our environment plays a greater role in determining which genes will be switched on or off. To put it simply, think of your genome or your DNA as the hardware of your computer. The chemical components surrounding your DNA are called your epigenome. 
they are above your DNA. And they can be seen as the software that tells the hardware what to do. Your hardware cannot operate without the software. So essentially, your epigenome is determining which genes are expressed and which are not. So the genes express themselves based on what the environment is doing. Simply put, your software scans your environment before telling your hardware how to operate. And it will switch on or silence genes depending on what it finds in your environment. And it includes your external environment, food, chemicals, etc., as well as your internal environment. That is to say what you feel, believe and think about. Let's take the physical environment, which is easier to understand at first. Let's say someone has a history of lung cancer in their family. If that person smokes and leads a certain lifestyle, they might have a bigger chance for that gene to be expressed. But according to epigenetics, it doesn't mean that this is a life sentence and that they will get lung cancer. In other words, a family illness is just a potential to be expressed. It's not a genetic sentence. What determines gene expression in most cases is the environment. And psychoneuroimmunology is showing that beliefs and our internal environment also greatly affect our biology. A great book uh, on the subject of epigenetics is The Biology of Belief by cell biologist Dr. Bruce Lipton. If you're interested, go grab yourself a copy. It's a really straightforward book and very easy to read. So let's say epigenetics is backing up what Gandhi once said, which was you tend to become what you believe. And this is wonderful news because it means that if you change your beliefs, you can also change your biology. In other words, you become the master of your own health. Genes don't have the ultimate say here. You do. So just to showcase how powerful your mind and the environment you create within yourself is, let me tell you about a study that I read in Dr. Mario Martinez's book that I thought was freaking amazing. This study actually examined a group of 80-year-olds and it divided them into two groups. Group A was told that they were going to a place where they would live as if they were 50 years old again. So basically it was like going back into time for them. They were given name tags with um, pictures of themselves when they were 50. They were immersed in that period of their life through music, the activities they did. They were basically treated as if they were 50-year-olds again. The other group, on the other hand, were told that they would go to a place where they would reminisce about how it was to be 50 again. All they did was talk about the good old days. The study took place for five days. Before that, both groups were put through medical tests, measuring muscle tone and other physical parameters used to monitor aging. Before and after pictures were also taken. At the end of the five days, the first group, the group that had been immersed in another period of their lives again, showed significant improvement in all their medical tests. Photographs were presented to an objective panel of people who perceived them as looking years younger by the end of the experiment. Pretty amazing, huh? And what about the other group? Well, they got worse because they were put into nostalgia mode. And that also affected their biology in a negative way because they were comparing the past with the present. And if you're still skeptical, here's another study that he mentions that also blew my mind. This is a Harvard study that was performed on the Tarahumara indigenous tribe of the Sierra Madre in Mexico. These tribes are known as runners. They are so good at running that the way they hunt is to exhaust their prey by running after it. And they believe that as you grow older, your heart gets stronger and you become a better runner with age. And effectively, that study shows that thanks to their cultural belief, people over 60 in those tribes have better cardiovascular capacity than people in their 20s. There are many more sound studies cited in this book. 
and I really recommend you read it if you haven't. I hope that right now you are sort of thinking about the beliefs that you might have adopted and that might need reviewing. Why do we think decline is the norm? Why do we look at people who defy that norm as being out of the ordinary? What would it be like if those people were actually the norm? Just imagine a society where the elder were healthy, lived a joyful life and passed on their wisdom to the next generations instead of being locked away in care homes and hospitals. Just today I was doing some research and I came across a YouTube video by a certain Drew Binsky and he went to Okinawa, uh, which is a Japanese island well known for the longevity of the people there. And he was talking to this 100-year-old woman and this woman lived alone and she was cooking and doing all the things that she did and she even had one of those um, exercise machines and he was saying to her but oh my god you do everything alone you do everything alone and he was kind of like amazed and and you could see the woman was just looking at him and she was like yeah like what's the big deal <laughs> I do my own mowing and my own gardening and my own cooking <laughs> And she was quite amused by his questions. And it made me think of how different she views the world and how most of us view the world. And that's what we need to change. One thing that Dr. Mario Martinez also says is that gerontology mostly studies the pathology of aging rather than the wellness of growing older. It's like there's already a negative bias within the field. And so here's what science has to say about the wellness of growing older. As I mentioned earlier, According to recent studies on healthy centenarians, there's usually no real genetic factor involved. What truly sets all of these people apart is the way they choose to look at the world and the supportive communities they build around them. It doesn't matter what social backgrounds and cultures they come from. What sets them apart from the rest of the population is that they have a definite mindset that keeps them healthy and fulfilled. That's to say, a growth mindset. The older they get, the healthier they become. According to a New England centenarian study by Harvard Medical School, men in their 90s were found to have better cognitive abilities than men in their 70s or 80s. Also, centenarians do not die of long, deteriorating diseases. There are no cancers registered in the studies conducted. Most of them die in their sleep or from a sudden accident. So now that we've determined that mindset is the key factor here, let's look at what type of mindset these people are cultivating. And while you listen to these, maybe have a think of which ones you are applying and which ones you could apply more of or which ones you could take on in your life as well. Here are some of the common factors that were found. They take life with balance rather than with obsession. So, for example, they usually eat healthy, but do not obsess about what they can or cannot eat. They don't come from a place of fear, but from a place of joy. So if you eat the right things or exercise out of fear, you are not doing your body a service. Obsessing about only having organic food because you're afraid of what it could do to your health is sending the wrong message to your brain. You are literally eating organic fear. So enjoying what you eat and do is key because your mind, as we have seen, has the ultimate say. Apparently, in the studies performed when the book was published, there were no vegans and very few vegetarians. That does not mean that centenarians are great meat eaters. They just eat everything in moderation. Food is just another pleasure of life for them. Number two, 
They take pleasure in rituals. Centenarians enjoy their rituals. They might smoke a cigar or have a brandy at the end of the day. But again, they come from a place of pleasure, not from addiction. That is why it does not affect their overall health. A ritual is something that allows them to identify with their joy and to celebrate. It's not a routine. There's a difference between savoring a glass of wine and having a glass of wine to take the edge off your day. So basically, it's about prioritizing your joys. Are you currently making space in your life for small pockets of joy, for little things that light you up? Number three, they make it their responsibility to lead a happy, healthy and empowered lifestyle. Taking responsibility, I believe, is a key word here. You know, this podcast is all about taking responsibility. Studies have shown that the brain and the mind do not deteriorate together. A healthy mind depends on the kind of lifestyle you choose for yourself and how you decide to approach life. It's not what happens to you that matters, but how you perceive it that does. These people did not have lives void of challenges, far from it. However, they see challenges as growth inducing. Taking on a new challenge or venturing into the unknown with the right mindset can be exciting and growth-inducing. Remaining in a disempowering job, on the other hand, can wreak havoc on your health. You get to choose if you are in charge or not. And this kind of mindset can be learned. As I told you in my first episode, I did not have that kind of mindset. I learned and I'm still learning through trial and error. However, what I want to convey here is that you decide what kind of mindset you choose to have. Healthy centenarians take charge of their lives by taking responsibility for where they are at and changing what they do not like. Basically, they are negotiators and co-creators who take responsibility for their decisions. For example, when they see a doctor, they take active part in their recovery. Their philosophy is, how can I get help so I can help myself? They don't simply hand over all their power to the doctor, expecting a quick fix like most people do. They listen, they do their research, and based on the information, they take appropriate advice and action. In fact, due to their proactive stance, most of them rarely go to the doctor at all. Now, no one is saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. However, it is that approach that they have, which is taking responsibility and helping themselves through others. Another great example of what a negotiator looks like is Tao Pochon Lynch, who was the oldest yoga teacher in the world. Just to give you an idea, she died peacefully at the age of 101 in 2020 and continued to teach yoga in a studio in New York until she was over 100. This is what she says in an interview. When I was eight, I saw a group of boys performing crazy postures on a beach in India. My aunt told me that being a girl, yoga was not for me. But I wanted to do it. And I said, if boys can do it, so can I. Bear in mind that she was eight in 1926. It was a very different reality back then. So she obviously had already quite a negotiator mindset within herself. Her life was not void of obstacles. Her mother died when she was seven months old. And I believe her father sent her off to her aunt and uncle to live because of his grief. And this lady was still teaching yoga at 100 years old. Again, the word joy is very important. Just as with their rituals, they don't tend to retire and they just simply go from one joy to the other. Like Tao Pochon Lynch with her yoga classes or that lady in Okinawa who, who continues to take care of her house and serve her community. They basically believe that they are in charge of their lives and usually have a degree of commitment and involvement within a community. And they're healthy narcissists. They love themselves, but not at the expense of others. So the key questions here you can ask yourself are, am I taking responsibility for where I am at in my life? Am I in charge of my life? Am I living my life on my own terms? 
Or am I just conforming to what others expect me to do or how to behave? Am I making time for community and service? Do I enjoy what I do? Four, they don't buy into the aging portals. According to Dr. Mario Martinez, they have no sense of aging. They are present, centered, and remain optimistic about the future, but they do not live for the future. They do not waste their life away in a disempowering job, for example, waiting for retirement. They have a sense of purpose and simply move from one stage of their lives to another. They have no notion of middle age and do not talk about age in general. Most look and act much younger than their age. They tend to associate with young people or young people at heart. That's the most important. Are you letting your culture's perception of your age group dictate what you can or, or can't do? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Studies have shown that you can age by association with people around you starting to complain and starting to say things like, oh, you know, this is happening to me because I'm old or I can't do this because I'm old. Those are cultural beliefs and aging portals that can affect you if you let them. Now, one of the advices that Dr. Mario Martinez gives is not to disclose your age. And what I think he means by that is that if you don't have a strong sense of self or you're not strong in your beliefs of what you can or can't do, you might allow yourself to buy into beliefs around your age group and let that determine how you live your life. I personally think it's sound advice. As we have seen, the mind is a powerful tool. And the less you focus on age, whether it be through how you perceive it or through how you feel other people perceive you, which is exactly the same thing, the less you allow it to limit you. And eventually it just won't become an issue anymore. Which brings me to tip number six, which is to surround yourself with the right people. Healthy centenarians live in subcultures that revere their elders and support their beliefs. It's not the quantity that matters, it's the quality of the people you surround yourself with. If you do not have immediate access to that, create your own by reading books, watching talks, attending seminars, and going out of your way to meet people who will support and validate your beliefs. And number six, believe in something greater than you. Apparently, amongst the recorded healthy centenarians, there were no atheists. So it doesn't necessarily mean these people are all religious, but they're spiritual in the sense that they believe in something greater than them. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. It can be nature, it can be a benign force, it can be the universe, it can be consciousness. All in all, they believe that there's something greater than them and they feel supported by those forces. And to be quite honest, when you see how amazing our blue planet is and the universe is, it's very difficult not to believe that there is something greater than us out there. Now, there's a lot more to the book and a lot more studies and research out there. I hope I've given you a little inclination to go and do your research for yourself and start delving a little bit further into this topic if you haven't yet. I think it's a fascinating topic. And what fascinates me most is to see how we choose to approach life really determines the quality of life that we are going to live. And that is within your hands, my hands, nobody else's hands. What would the world be like if we all decided to adopt the same kind of approach to life? And instead of waiting for our unavoidable decline, we were to look forward to more growth, to growing until the end, allowing ourselves to experience our joys fully. And instead of believing that middle age is the beginning of the end, as some people believe, we understood that neuropsychologically, people are at their best in their creativity and wisdom anywhere between 65 and 80, and that our mind and what we believe has tremendous power over how we choose to show up in our bodies. Like Tao Po Chon Lynch said so sweetly, 
I'm going to teach yoga until I can't breathe anymore. Then I'll just fly away to the next planet. And effectively, that is what she did. People like that shouldn't be the exception. They should be the norm. And I hope this episode has gotten you thinking about what your new norm can become. And next time you meet somebody, instead of asking them how old they are or what they do, maybe you could ask them, what excites you most right now? What experience has been most growth-inducing for you? What do you love about your life? And fill in the blank. Get to know the person, their essence, and what brings joy to them. And share your joys, share your experiences and your excitement. And I'll finish with this quote that I read in Dr. Northrup's book, Goddesses Never Age. We are not proponents of long life. We are proponents of joyful life. And when you find yourself in joy, the longevity usually follows. We do not count the success of a life by its length. We count it by its joy. And there you have it for today's episode. To find out more about what I do and how I can best serve you, head over to www.dannyreef.com. And meanwhile, why not hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when the latest episode drops in. I promise the journey will be worth it. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you. And I wish you a flawsome day that is flawed and awesome just the way we like it. Bye.